Hello there. Welcome to the show. This will be my last episode of 2020, just because of all of the Christmas and New Year's activities that are going on. I figured that I would do one more episode before 2021 begins, and I thought that I might do a little bit of a recap on things that I've learned this year and um, just things in general that I have witnessed. This is not going to be anything like my normal episodes. Most of my episodes are me talking about things that don't really matter. Video games, for instance, while they are incredibly fun, don't matter at all. Um, It's just a fun thing that I like to do. Also, in terms of medicine, right now I'm just playing doctor. I'm learning things in the hospital. I'm seeing patients, but I really am just playing doctor. I'm not impacting patients that much. I mean, I guess I can in some ways impact patients. I've met some really nice patients and I feel like I've helped them in different ways, but everyone knows that I'm just a little puppet that dances in front of them and asks them all the questions, but the doctor is really the one that makes all the important decisions. I'm just there to uh, learn. The year 2020 started out like normal, me just in regular classes doing sort of the same routine that I've done since college, maybe a little bit different just because medical school is a little bit different. It morphed into studying for boards, um, which thank the Lord I passed. And then I started my third year, which has probably been the most different thing I've done in a long time. I mean, I would say being a CNA working at a nursing home is pretty unusual and you find yourself doing unusual things. Um, But third year, you've been at least I've been bouncing all over the place and you never really know what's going to be happening in the next day or next week, especially depending on the different rotations. So far, I've finished my internal medicine rotation, which was 12 weeks, my OB rotation, and I started my psych rotation, which I've done or will have done two weeks before I start Christmas break. On top of all of this, I had the brilliant idea to start a podcast at the beginning of my third year of medical school, which if you look at the dates of my podcast, it's clear that I definitely front-loaded the months that I started with episodes. I've been tapering off in the past months just because OB was a pretty busy rotation, and I've been sort of slowing down just in terms of the content that I've been putting out. I'd like to do more episodes with other people, but those take a lot more time just because organizing it with friends and then sort of planning what discussion you're going to have. So I would like to do some more movie reviews with Nick and John. Um, I also want to do some game reviews with John, but hopefully I'll get to do some of those next year. Now, the big thing that's been different for everyone is the whole coronavirus thing. And I have learned that being where I am in the medical community, if you dare question what they have to say, then you are immediately ostracized and you are put aside as someone who doesn't believe in science. Now, I haven't even been that vocal about just my opinions about the coronavirus in general around people at school, because I know that it's not something that anyone can know the answer to. I feel as if I've seen a lot of people prance around and pretend like they know all of the solutions. They know what's going to happen in the future. They know how it's all going to work. And I just don't think that's a smart way to go about anything. And this speaks from personal experience just because I'm a know-it-all and I have a big mouth. So I kind of like to say whatever, but I've really seen with this whole coronavirus thing, especially being in the medical field, how certain people have taken this as their pet project, maybe. I don't know. It's sort of like they've become experts on this and that's how they get to tell everyone what they can and cannot do. Um, That's been sort of 
disheartening to say the least, especially since I would like to consider science someplace where you get to question things. My favorite go-to example is when Galileo said that the earth revolved around the sun and they all shouted at him and said, that's not science. You are a science denier. We know that we revolve or everything revolves around the earth. And now the thought of that is just sort of hilarious. The same deal happened with the first gentleman who decided to start washing his hands after seeing patients. They called him crazy. His hospital even had increased, or sorry, decreased in the amount of deaths, but even then they still mocked him and said that uh, he was crazy. So I think I've seen that if something new comes out, some sort of uh, new disease or something that we haven't seen before, it's going to take a while before we really figure out how to combat it or figure out you know, what it's made of or what it does or what the highest risk people are. Um, and I'm not even speaking from any area of expertise. I've just always been told growing up that in medicine, it really takes a long time for things to change. So if you have one way that's just the gold standard treatment, in 20 years, that gold standard treatment might be illegal, as in you might get sued or you might be lose your license if you do something like that. So medicine, like a lot of things, is very fluid, but it takes a long time for these things to change. So I have seen that um, this year that politics has been brought into medicine in a way that I've never really seen before. And I've seen how it's it's okay to shout down those who disagree with you if you are in the sort of mainstream view. If you have the mainstream view, you can curse, shout down, and berate anyone that challenges you, and that's almost seen as virtuous. Um, and this, again, speaking from personal habits of mine that I know I have to break, that I have to remember that I'm no better than anyone else. I inherently am a very prideful person, and so I constantly have to remind myself, which it's kind of obvious if you've met me, that I don't have much to be proud. <laughs> I mean, just in general, I'm just a goofball, and so it's sort of humorous that I myself would be proud about anything, but I have seen how people now, it's almost virtuous to stand on their high horse and say, oh, we are right about this, and if you dare disagree with us, you are scum, and you don't care about things. And so it's just, it's been an interesting time, um, something I wasn't really counting on happening in 2020 for sure. I did not see that on my radar. Now, if you ask any of my siblings in my family, they know that I'm sort of against the mainstream. Um, that in itself lends someone to have this art of like, oh, I'm so cool. And that's where I think the whole hipster thing came from. It's like, oh, I hate that stuff that's mainstream. So I obviously am better than everyone else because the plebs just do that. But I have seen that this year it's been magnified where if you disagree with the mainstream in any way, you're just a freak and you probably should be burned at the stake for your beliefs. It's made my time interacting with residents and attendings very interesting because where I'm at, it's very clear that they disagree with most of my beliefs, whether or not it's my Christianity or just my political beliefs. But I'm afraid to say anything because I've seen the vitriolic speech that some of these people have towards those who disagree with them. And a lot of the stuff isn't even that controversial. It's just things that generally have two sides. 
Growing up, we used to watch Arthur on PBS, and my parents would always joke that PBS was super politically correct, and they always had to say the right thing. But it wasn't until I got into medical school that I realized um, how ridiculous, not how ridiculous, because political correctness is inherently ridiculous, because what does politically correct even mean? Um, For one, politics are never, no one ever agrees on politics. So what does it mean to be politically correct? If you have different politics, then being politically correct means that you can say whatever you want, which is what I believe. But what other people believe, and which I didn't understand as a child, is that political correctness is a way to shut down other people's speech. Now, for one thing, political correctness has absolutely ruined humor, because I think humor inherently needs to be somewhat edgy in order to be funny, because you have to say things that surprise people. You have to say things that people don't expect. I'm not a huge fan of vulgar humor, but I found myself drawn to certain comedians and or people on YouTube who their whole spiel is the fact that they're so politically incorrect that they're hilarious. Whereas now, trying to be funny in a politically correct way is absolutely the most cringeworthy thing you could ever witness. And because you can't ever offend anyone, You you can't risk offending anyone and i think in order to be funny you have to risk offending someone but at the same time it's a joke so i'm not being serious 100 percent about the way that i feel if i make some politically correct joke about how pepsi is not as good as coke or whatever i mean even stupid things like that are probably controversial nowadays So if I've learned anything in these last few months of being in third year is that my opinion doesn't matter because my opinion is not mainstream. So if I dare to even question what's mainstream, I am immediately shamed and shoved in the corner and berated for my barbaric beliefs, you know, whether it be coke is better than pepsi or a 30 yard squib kick is pathetic regardless of who does it and the manner in which a lot of people live their lives in this sort of politically correct atmosphere they don't realize that other people might not agree with them which is hilarious because they spend all their time correcting everyone and i really have worried about things that i say in my podcast in the sense that it's like i'm just putting this out into the air anyone can listen to this could this potentially affect my residency chances if i say something that the politically correct gods do not adhere to the the sacrifice of the politically correct is not sending sweet aromas up to them so i figured that i might as well end this year with a little discussion about freedom and about what it means to be brave not saying i'm brave at all i'm just a goofball in my house with a sweater on and a microphone i've learned that it's easy to not be brave it's easy to not say what you feel and i think this podcast has been a perfect example of that for me where i haven't brought up things that i care about because i'm afraid which is hilarious because i mean it's like 20 people listening at the max and it's 20 of these people are most of them are related to me if not distantly so they probably think i'm an idiot anyway so who else out there in the world of google and the internet is going to listen to my podcast and be like yes we must destroy this man because his opinions are too caustic to our beliefs there's definitely two sides to the coin as well because there's my christianity and my beliefs in god which is generally not accepted especially in the scientific world you're looked at as a sort of 
loon who lives in the woods, like a hermit who worships glorious unicorns if you dare believe in a god. I mean, how ridiculous are you if you are a scientist and you believe in a god? Um, but also you have like politics. So in terms of there are people who are conservative leaning and are not, you know, religious or they don't believe in God or they don't, they're not Christians or they don't claim to be Christians. But then you have those people that are both of those things. They're both conservatives and they believe in God. So in terms of like the weirdness scale, I'm way, way up there. Now, fortunately, we live in a free country. We can say what we want um, unless it's a call to action like you can't yell or shout fire in a crowded theater if there's no fire that could potentially cause harm of thousands of mindless people trampling children in order to get to safety which that's something i've learned that um, you know i've always thought people are sheep i myself am a sheep i've been in situations where you just kind of stand there and no one really knows what to do and everyone is just sort of hiding behind one another you're like a school of fish but this year has shown me that people are sheep to the max. I mean, that's not even a question. And if that little collie, aka Google or Facebook or CNN or the media, corrals you, you know, instead of the millions of us that could trample this small little sheepdog, we run away in terror. Oh no, he's going to bite our ankles. Oh no, he's going to reprimand me. And that's something that, I mean, I, I myself have found myself falling into that category of sheep. You know, I don't think for myself. I just sort of blend into the background and hope that someone else will do something or say something for that matter. And I think one of the most important things I've learned is that just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that you can't share your beliefs with them. And I've had several good conversations with some students in my class about things that we disagree on. And they're civil, and I feel as if we both learn the other person's perspective. I mean, I obviously think I'm right, and they think they're right, but you know, no one's come to blows. But that is something that is slowly shrinking, and I don't understand why it's seen as a bad thing for there to be any sort of confrontation, or there to be differences. I think education, a large part of education, is challenging things. You know, you have to challenge, you have to push the status quo, or you have to push against the norm to sort of discover things. No one ever got anything done by just doing the same thing over and over again. So new things are created when there are discussions, when there are different opinions. I learned this even going to a Christian school, a Christian college, that I met so many people, so many of my friends that have very different opinions about things. And I think I learned so much because we were able to discuss these differences. And I think that I became a better person because through these discussions. And that's just doesn't fly in today's world. Now, in my sort of Christian worldview, Christian stratosphere at college, most of us, I would say 95% of us, you know, had the baseline of our Christianity, our beliefs were similar, as in we believe that Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins, and that is like the tenet by which we live or believe. But when it comes to politics, we couldn't be more different, and we'd be on completely opposite ends of the spectrum on certain categories. So we could have these intense arguments about things, and we could not necessarily shout at each other, but we could get into the discussion but at the end of the day, you know, we had this sort of belief that we shared and we could always sort of come towards that belief. 
that's not okay anymore. You can't do that. There is no room for discourse. There is no room for discussion. Because if you disagree with what's mainstream, then you're a conspiracy theorist, you're a freak, you're an idiot, you're a science denier, which the idea of denying science is hilarious to me because so much of science is just what we have experienced in the real world, but we don't have any way to quantify it. So I've seen these signs around that say science is real, but science can also be wrong. And we've seen that countless times through our history. And if you cling to science like it's your god, I mean, you're probably going to be disappointed because I'm not pretending to know everything about God. I'm not pretending to know everything about the Bible. I don't know a lot. I don't know tons. I'm not a theologian in any way. I just know what I believe, but I know that there are things that are complicated. But if you're in science and you believe that science is the one thing, it's the one true being that keeps you awake every day and keeps you going, you're going to be disappointed because things change constantly. And I think everyone should see this if you look at medical management of certain diseases at the beginning of this year compared to now. Things have changed drastically. And no, like I said a hundred times, I am not an expert on this. There are people out there who do this way more than me and who know way more about this, who have studied this, and that's their thing. This is not my thing. I'm just a goofball, like I said. I just have opinions, and it's okay to have opinions. So if that's one thing that I've been incredibly disappointed about in my time is that there is no room for discussion in uh, my school or where I'm at. There's no room for friendly discourse. There's not a lot of room for challenging what's the status quo, uh, because if you do, then you're really threatening your future career. You're threatening um, uh, evaluations from professors or from residents. You're threatening the way that your peers talk about you. And honestly, I shouldn't care. Um, that's something that we all fight against. Peer pressure is a huge thing. It's kind of the reason why people are sheep, because they don't want to alienate themselves from the crowd. But I think that's something that has to be done. Now, if you're listening to this episode, you probably know me decently well. But if you don't know me and you're listening to this episode and you disagree with literally everything I've said for the last 18 minutes, I think the one thing that we can agree on is that you are allowed to hold your own opinions. And I'm allowed to hold my own opinions. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that that is what makes our country great. In other countries, I don't know if there are most countries, you can be fined for saying things. You can be fined for saying things out loud. Things that don't even hurt anyone. Words do not hurt. Um, what is that famous saying? Is it even a saying? It's just what kids say. I'm like rubber, you're like glue, whatever you say to me bounces off me and sticks to you. I mean, if words are really hurting your feelings, then you've never, ever been challenged by anyone. Now, my family would probably laugh listening to me talk because they know I'm crazy and opinionated and I like to spout off and a lot of my friends sort of laugh at me because I go on tangents about things that I believe. Natalie and I like to go over to some friends under uh, an older couple that goes to our church and whenever we go over to their house... They'll say, oh, just tell us how you feel, Hayden. You know, don't hold back at all. So I definitely know that I am a little bit unique when it comes to my opinions and who I will tell my opinions to or the passion in which I say my opinions. But I'm okay that someone else disagrees with me. And I should be okay with that because if I can't handle someone disagreeing with me, then I have way more problems in my own life. I think a lot of this change comes from social media 
Um, everyone knows I hate social media. I think it's worthless. I think all it does is make us compare ourselves to one another. My dad always used to say that when you're in middle school and high school, everyone is so focused on themselves that they don't have time to look at anyone else. And as lame as it sounds, even I felt that way when I was in middle school and I would go to my homeschool co-op where I thought I was like super cool, you know, me and my green American Eagle hoodie. But I, I realized as I got older like later into high school that I actually did care so much about what other people thought about me that I didn't care about anyone else at all. I was just all focused on myself. So if we're all worried about what other people think about us, then we're going to not want to offend anyone because, oh, we have to appeal to the masses. You know, we have to look super happy on our Instagram or our Facebook, or we have to look like our whole life is put together and we don't have any problems. We have to look like we're the smartest and we're the most accomplished out of anyone. When in reality, it's a joke. Have you ever met any person at all? No one's like that. No one is perfect and everyone has crazy issues. Those issues might not be super apparent to your average person, but if you look at social media and use that as a gauge for how your life is going, you're you're comparing it to a fantasy land. And again, I'm not saying that I don't do any of these things. I do compare myself to other people, and I do wish that I had different things. You know, I wish I had all the money in the world to spend on whatever I wanted, but obviously I know that's not going to make me happy, but that doesn't stop me from wanting that sometimes. The last thing that I want to touch on is the concept of freedom. I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode. I don't think I understand what the problem is. Freedom to me sounds pretty straightforward. People are free to do things that don't affect others in a harmful way. I mean, obviously there's like issues about morality and people will argue about what's moral and what's not or this, that, and the other, but I had a really good conversation with um, the psychologist that I was working with last week where he was sort of asking us about human rights, and his definition of human rights was something that you inherently have that no human can give to you or no human can take away from you. Um, I think my alternative uh, description of a right would be a God-given right. What has God given us the ability to do? But I also would add on that doesn't affect another person or require the, this is what he said, that it would uh, require anything from anyone else. A right is something that doesn't require anything from anyone else. So the right to free speech, you know, you have a right to speak Um, It doesn't require anything from anyone else. And we have in our constitution the right to bear arms, the right to defend ourselves, which some people um, just think that's sort of strange. They think that you shouldn't be able to defend yourself. I think that there was a bill being drafted by some Democrat in Texas where they were trying to get rid of protection for people who protected their homes from invaders. And the person who was drafting the bill said something along the lines of, if they're robbing your house, they probably need that stuff more than you do, so you should just let them take it. They also said that the only reason why criminals carry weapons is because of you, because you might attack them. I'm not even going to argue that just because of how ridiculous it is. I mean, it's just... I don't know who lives their life that way because I'm pretty sure that if I broke into that person's house and stole all of their things, they probably would be pretty mad about it. But generally, if you're a politician, you have a lot more money and or security than your average Joe. So you're okay to say these things. The classic thing that I've seen pop up over and over again this year is the rules for thee, but not for me. 
you know, you can't do this, but I'll do it. Like in Texas, there was a guy who sort of said, or he was a, I don't know if he was a senator or a representative or a governor or a mayor or something like that. They all blur together in my mind because they're all equally worthless. But he tweeted out or sent to the masses, you know, you probably shouldn't go on vacation right now as he was in Mexico at a resort. It's like, yeah, I'm going to believe you. Why would I listen to you? And it's been very clear that people are just willing to give up their freedoms pretty easily if someone who has an expert backing him, oh, experts say, therefore you should do. Um, and now I've personally have been fortunate to not have been affected that much by a lot of these policies and or craziness. I do live in the state of Georgia, which fortunately our governor did not do anything crazy to absolutely destroy things, but um, he is still absolutely worthless and um, should resign, but that's a whole different topic. But again, the concept of freedom is sounds pretty straightforward to me. It doesn't seem like someone can come in and take what they want, if it's the government or if it's anyone else. Why? What gives you the right to do that? What gives you the right to take something from someone else? I mean, freedom seems pretty simple when you look at it. If there's something that this country has done is it has fought for freedom in multiple ways, whether you look at the Revolutionary War, whether you look at the Civil War, whether you look at World War II, or most wars in general, we've not saying that all wars should have been fought, but we fought for freedom. And I think that freedom is important, but I also just don't get the big deal about it. It's like, yeah, like, just let us be free. That's That seems pretty straightforward. Just let us be free. But as the saying goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, you know, we also live in a fallen world, which is a novel idea. Some people don't believe that. I, I personally believe that. So I believe that's what we should expect. Um, but I do think that we're in a unique time where we wonder, especially as Christians, what do we fight or do we fight for freedom? How does fighting for freedom look? Uh, is it warranted? Is it justified? And I'm not saying I have all the answers to things. I just think that this is something that we should listen or we should think about more often because I don't think we think about it. I think we like to have people up top tell us what to do. And it's easy to have someone tell you what to do. You, you know, just go do this, go do that. It's easy to not be the boss. And I myself did not fight for this freedom. I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who did fight for this freedom. And these giants are not perfect. They're like all humans. They're flawed. But they did create something great, and I think that we should, as Americans, uphold that freedom. And this is honestly a idea that is scorned and mocked by the mainstream view. I myself have personally benefited from the hard work of my grandparents on both sides and my parents. So yes, I've benefited more than others have, but I think one of the things that drives liberals crazy is the idea that someone can have something that another person doesn't you know they want equality to be absolute like they want everyone to be poor they don't want some people to be wealthy and some people to be poor they want everyone to be miserable they want everyone to be equally miserable and it's pretty apparent when you look at socialism that's been enacted in you know russia and china where millions and millions of people starve to death so i mean apparently that's not real socialism but this could get me fired if I had a job for saying this. And that goes back to that saying, rules for thee, but not for me. I think that's a good way to look at your life. 
if you're saying rules for thee but not for me, then you probably should reevaluate the way that you're doing things. And I think this is a common problem among Christians because Christians are sinful and they are hypocrites. We all are hypocrites, so we all do things wrong. So people like to point at Christians and say, well, you're just hypocrites because you say one thing but you do another. And that is true, but we do have grace given to us by God, but our goal is to work to be more Christ-like, which is not something that's easy to do. So to wrap this up, I'm kind of proposing a question as in we look at the people who have worked hard to help us throughout our lives. We look at the people who died for freedom, who fought in wars, and for, who did great things um, for our benefit. And we probably should look at ourselves and say, what can we do? Or what should we do? And I think everyone has a different role to play. I'm not going to go out there and tell everyone what their role is because I don't even know what my role is. I'm just a dumb guy with a microphone. But I thought that I would end this podcast with the last part or a part, I guess it's not the last part of Patrick Henry's speech. Um, it's actually kind of funny story about this speech uh, in my life because um, when I was like 13 or 12, I don't know how old I was, I was saving up to buy a Nintendo DS and um, I had saved, I think it was like $120, which isn't very expensive, but I had saved up like $100, I think. And my mom told me that if you memorize this speech, then you will, then I'll order the DS for you, but you still have to pay for the rest, you know, the, the next $20. And you might think $20 isn't a lot, but I used to mow the, or not mow, I used to blow the driveway off with the blower and I'd get paid like $3 and I'd vacuum the car and get paid $2. I mean, you can only vacuum the car so many times. So it did take a couple weeks to collect that. So I had been saving up for months. So I ended up, you know, memorizing the speech relatively quickly. I'm not going to do this from memory, but um, I'm going to read the part that I think is very important because it sort of talks about, you know, what are we willing to give up to be free this might sound childish. This might sound sort of like, oh, you're just stupid. You're just, this isn't, nothing's like this is ever going to happen in your lifetime. But I do think it is important to look to the past because like we love to say those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. So here's the last part of Patrick Henry's famous speech. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we grow stronger? Will it be next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantoms of hope until our enemies have bound us hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means by which the God of nature hath placed in our power. Three million of people armed in the holy cause of liberty, and in such a country as that which we possess, are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and who will raise up friends to fight our battles with us. The battle, sir, is not the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from their contest. There is no retreat but into submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable, and let it come. I repeat it, sir, let it come. It is vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun." The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? 
Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. 